with me to Joshua chapter 1, and I'm going to begin in verse 9 here in just a moment. Jesus had a man come to him who needed healing for his son. His son was possessed with a demon uh, and was just in a misery. Uh, from day to day, it would do things that would throw him into the fire and so forth. And uh, this man brought his son to the disciples, and they couldn't cast out the demon. So finally, he brings him to Jesus, and he says, If you can do something, will you do it? And Jesus said, If you can, all things are possible for him that believes. And Jesus healed his son. But he said, I believe. Lord, help my unbelief. And Jesus, in that moment, helped his unbelief. I'm convinced that in the struggles of our faith, we need God's help to help us with our faith. Uh, there's nothing more important. The Bible says this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Uh, also it says, we lift up the shield of faith that quenches all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Uh, Jesus said also, according to your faith, so it will be to you. And so uh, the scripture shows us it is absolutely critical that we're walking by faith in Jesus Christ. And God helps us in his grace with our faith. I'm so grateful for that. Because uh, there have been times in my life where I felt like my faith has been at a high point for me. And then at times it, it's been like a low point. But I'm grateful that God didn't say, okay, just hey, you get your act together and you're on your own in this. Uh, he actually comes alongside us and helps us with our faith. There's multiple places in Scripture that teach this. And so uh, we're actually looking at the life of Joshua and the people of Israel who are about to go into the promised land. And Joshua is receiving an encouragement from God. He says, look, I'm going to be with you wherever you go. Don't be afraid. Don't be dismayed. You trust me. I'll be with you wherever you go. And so he begins to prepare the people to enter into the land of Canaan. And he tells the officials, I want you to go and have everybody who is of fighting age among uh, the fighting men to uh, provide some provisions for themselves and get, gather all that they need so they'll be ready to go across into the land. And then he begins to talk to the Transjordanian tribes uh, who had already won their land. And he says, look, you are responsible to go over before your brothers and fight the battles. And they say, yes, we will be with you. And so God uses their encouragement. As a matter of fact, they say, if there's no one, if there's anyone uh, that speaks against your leadership, we're going to put him to death. Now, there's a, there's a vote of confidence right there. Uh, so uh, they would treat him like a deserter and put him to death. And so uh, Joshua had some great support, and God was using this to encourage him. And so Joshua sends a couple of spies over the Jordan to spy out the land, but God was going to use them for a different purpose. Not only would they spy out the land, but they would receive a message of encouragement from a harlot of all people. Uh, it, they Apparently, I don't know if they would go to the harlot's house because 
they are trying to fly under the radar and avoid the attention of, uh, uh, of the people of the city. Uh, but for whatever reason, they end up at her house, and uh, she has hidden them from the city officials, and they're coming to look and so forth. And then finally, the officials go, and she tells them they've already left the city, and so they go to try to find them out. And, uh, and she begins to talk to them, and she says, I've got to tell you this. All of us know that you're going to, to win a great victory. We know that God's gone before you. And we've heard what God's done with the Egyptians and what he did with these two Amorite kings across the river. And we know what God's going to do. And we are terrified. And then she makes a deal with them. And she says, look, when you guys come over here, uh, I want you to spare me and my family since I've hidden you and, uh, and, she, and, and so forth. And so she makes an agreement with them, and they, they do so. She's actually confessed her faith in their God, and so she's converted. Uh, and so God has, has even worked among the Canaanites. But, but God uses her to encourage them, and then they go back and tell Joshua, and they encourage Joshua. Listen, these people are scared to death of us. God, God is already giving us the victory, and we've not even gotten over there yet. And so they're all excited, and Joshua, once again, is encouraged. But God tells Joshua, okay, get the priests together, and I want the priests to carry the Ark of the Covenant down into the water of the Jordan. And as soon as they enter into the waters of the Jordan... I'm going, to, I'm going to stop the flow of the river, and they're going to go through on dry ground. All the people of Israel, the, the, the Ark of the Covenant and the priests will stay there in the river, uh, and I will hold it back as all two million or so people cross the Jordan River, uh, and I will get you to the other side. And so... Um, Joshua sends the priests, and the priests enter the water, and the people of Israel are told to stay back about 10 football fields behind them uh, because God wants them to see the miracle. Can you imagine what that must have been like? Because uh, it's estimated this was flood stage of, of the Jordan. It would have been at least a mile wide. Uh, and so this river, all this water is just stopping at this one certain point, flowing up into the air and cascading, I don't know where, but not in the river for sure. And God it gets higher and higher and higher, and they have to be back so they can see the magnitude of what God's doing. And so finally they go across the Jordan and they enter the land. And I believe all of this is preparation. Preparation for God's people to trust Him and what he's about to call them to do. And so as God works in our lives, he prepares us to trust him as well. And we need to ask God for help with our faith and trust him uh, to provide that help. The title of my message is How God Helps Us Trust Him. Uh, and uh, I'm not going to read this whole scripture because it's a long scripture. It covers a couple of chapters uh, but I'm going to just point out some highlights. Look with me uh, at verse 9 of, of, of uh, Joshua chapter 1. 
God is talking to Joshua. He says, haven't I commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Isn't that a great truth? Uh, it's, uh, it's amazing. Uh, I remember one of the astronauts talking about the fact that as he stepped out on the moon, he could sense the presence of God. Uh, no matter where you go in the universe, God says, Do not I feel the heavens and the earth? He's there. David said, If I go to the highest height, you're there. If I, if I make my bed in the depths of Sheol, you're there. Wherever I go, Lord, you are there. So God's telling Joshua, Look, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to walk with you. And he gives the assurance of the people as well. So how does God help us trust him? He helps us trust him, first of all, by assuring his people. By assuring his people. He's assuring Joshua through his promise. Okay? He's assuring Joshua through the support of his people. But God assures us in various ways as we go through difficulty in life and as he prepares us to trust him for for different things in our lives. Um, when you're in a struggle, praise God, the Lord is our shepherd. What do shepherds do? They care for their flock, right? They know the wounds, and some, some sheep that are wounded, they know how to minister to those wounds and, and dress those wounds and help those sheep. Uh, you've seen the pictures of the shepherds with the little lambs around their necks because one of the, the legs has been broken and uh, the shepherd carries it upon his shoulders. Uh, this is what God does for us. Some are going astray, and the shepherd is bringing them back to the right path uh, with his rod and his staff, right? He is, he's, prepared, he's protecting them uh, from the wolves and from the different things. And, and he knows exactly what's going on with the sheep, and he cares for each one. That's why Jesus said that... Uh, God's heart is like the shepherd who leaves the 99 sheep to find the one. Because every individual child of God is important to him. And every lost person is important to him. God cares for his people. And he assures us of that care. Uh, sometimes uh, God has assured me through a scripture. It's amazing to me. And, and a lot of times I'll be in doing a reading plan. Uh, maybe I'm reading through the Bible, or, or maybe I'm reading in a certain book of the Bible, and I'll get to a scripture, and I just so happen to get to that scripture on that day when I have that issue, and it speaks to exactly what I'm facing in my life. And sometimes I just have to shake my head. I say, okay, God, you're just showing off. Because that's what he does. He assures us through his word. Sometimes he assures us through the touch of his Holy Spirit. Have you ever been uh, listening to a song on the radio about Christ or about uh, what God is doing? And the Holy Spirit of God just touches your heart and says, that's for you. <laughs> God assures us through his Spirit. He is the comforter. He is the one who's called alongside us to minister to us where we are in the, in the season of life 
that we're in. And he leads us and he guides us. Have you ever thought, you know, I just don't know what to do with the circumstances that I'm facing. Somebody once said that uh, Joshua and the children of Israel were not well prepared. They weren't trained in, in the military or anything. They were a group of slaves who had left an oppressive people uh, through the power of God. And now they're being told to go in and conquer this land. And they're not even trained as military men. Now, I, you know, it could be Moses supplied some training. I don't know. But what I do know is that God is able to guide us even when we are weak. Paul says, uh, I rejoice in my weakness so that the power of Christ might be manifest. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So God assures us in various ways to help us trust Him. And, And for Joshua, he assured him with a promise. Isn't it amazing? Abraham believed God, and well over 400 years later, the people of Israel are coming out of the land of Egypt. And now, in Joshua's day, they're getting ready to go into the promised land. God had made these promises hundreds of years before. But the Bible says Abraham believed God, and God credited it to him. As righteousness. I want you to know that God's promises cannot be shaken. What God promises, He will do. And what God says, we can count on. Uh, So His promises assure us that He's with us and they help us. They're the basis of our trust. Uh, Sometimes people say, well, faith will get you through. Well, it's not just faith in anything that will get you through. It's faith in a specific Thing that would get you through a specific person, Jesus Christ, and the specific promises of God's Word. So when God gives us an assurance about something, whether in our spirit or whether through the Word of God, and He makes a promise to us, we can put all our faith upon that promise and be confident that God will bring it about. And so Joshua has observed Uh, Moses' life and Moses' way of following God by faith. And now God is assuring him, he says, just like I was with Moses, I'm going to be with you. Isn't it great to know that just as God was with Moses or with Joshua or with David or with Samuel or whoever, so God will be with us, but even in a greater way because we're part of the new covenant, right? Right? in, in 1 Corinthians, he says, Know you not that you are the temple of God, and the Spirit of God lives in you? Uh, so what a, what a tremendous thing. So um, God helps us trust him by assuring his people. He knows our struggles. Um, and uh, it, I, I think Jesus, when Jesus addressed that man who brought him to his demon-possessed son, and he says, uh, if you can, uh, all things are possible for him who believes. Jesus is challenging him. And he's showing him his need for faith so that he will say, I believe, help my unbelief. Or you might just have to say, help, help my unbelief. There may be no I believe. But for this man, there was a little bit of faith. 
I believe, Lord, help my unbelief. And so uh, Jesus assures us, he challenges us, but he also assures us of what he is doing uh, to encourage us in our faith. So how does God help us trust him? First of all, he assures his, he, he is assuring his people. Secondly, he's revealing his secrets. He's revealing his secrets. God helps us in our faith by revealing what he is secretly doing sometimes. Did you know God's always at work? Have you ever, have you ever had a time you thought, boy, you know, God seems to be doing nothing. It seems like God is, is taking a vacation. It seems like God is somewhere else. I can assure you that God is working. We may not see His working, but God is working. And occasionally, when God is getting ready to do something significant in somebody's life, He will open the veil a little bit and allow His people to see the secret ways in which He's working to build our faith. And so... Uh, Joshua sends the spies over the river. This is, by the way, in chapter 2 and verses 9 to 11. Let's just read that real quickly. Um, They're talking with Rahab. So she goes in and says to them, I know that the Lord has given you this land and that the terror of you has fallen on us and everyone who lives in the land is panicking because of you. For we have heard How the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt. What you did to Sion and Og, the two Amorite kings you completely destroyed across the Jordan. When we heard this, we lost heart. And everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven and on earth below. Isn't that a great statement? I mean... Okay, go ahead and preach, Rahab, okay? <laughs> Your God is God in heaven and on earth. And so God just kind of pulls back the veil. Can you imagine what these spies are thinking? Here they've gone to this enemy land, and they're sneaking around trying to spy out the land. And, and uh, one of the natives begins to tell them what God is doing on the other side of the Jordan. God's making the way. God is already fighting the battle for them, and they've not even gotten there yet. God had a secret work he was doing. He always is working. Jesus said, my Father is working. That's what's always going on. God is working in heaven and earth. The Scripture tells us Jesus is the Colossian force. He's the one by whom all things came into existence, and He is currently holding all things together by His power. This is the God that we serve, and He is at work. He's at work in your life. You know what the, David said? All my days are written in your book. You know what that means? Not only does God know what's going to happen, But God has a plan for every single day of your life and my life. It's written in his book. And uh, he's at work to bring about his plan. Um, I I remember reading in the book of Hebrews in, in chapter 11. And, you know, it's a great faith chapter. And 
all of these great things are being accomplished by faith. But when you get to the end of Hebrews 11, it shifts a little bit. And he begins to talk about those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. And he says, look, uh, some of them, uh, they're, they're going about in, in, uh, in, in hiding in holes in the ground and caves in the ground. They have no place to live. They, they've been driven from their homes and they're, they're being persecuted and put to death with a sword and all of these things. Um, and he says, this is so that they may receive a better inheritance. What did Jesus say? He said, rejoice when men revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. For great is your reward in heaven. Now, there's some things that God does for us here. Praise God. He is active in our lives. But God is also working not just for this life, but for the life to come. And he has a plan to bring about a better reward. Listen, I want to tell you, the best we have here is just a foretaste. The scripture calls it a down payment. We, we have experienced the down payment through the receiving of the Spirit of the things to come. I don't know about you, but my down payment was a whole lot less than the cost of my house. Okay? There's a whole lot more to be paid. Than just the damn payment. Uh, the same thing is true. There's a whole lot more that God is doing in our lives that will be experienced when we see Jesus. And no one will take our joy away. What a day that's going to be. I, I'm ready. I, I Sign me up. Uh, I, I'll get on the bus right now. Um, so... Anyway, uh, God helps us trust him by revealing his secrets, revealing the ways that he is working uh, in our lives. And, uh, and the spies are encouraged. They go back and tell Joshua. I'm sure they were telling other people too. And uh, it was a great encouragement to the people and, and to their faith. So how does God help us trust him? Well, first of all, he helps us by assuring his people. Secondly, by revealing his secrets. Thirdly, by sending his messengers. Sending his messengers. If you look at chapter 2 and verse 24, the spies are coming back and, and they, they told Joshua, the Lord has handed over the entire land to us. Everyone who lives in the land is also panicking because of us. Joshua, you're not going to believe this. Let us, let us tell you this. Is this not awesome? Okay, I'm kind of putting this in today's language. They're scared to death of us. They know that we're going to win the victory. And so God sends these spies. Joshua thinks he's sending some spies over to spy out the land. Yes, they do that. But God has another purpose. God is sending them over so that they can have some information to be sent back to Joshua to bring encouragement to Joshua. Have you ever had God send somebody into your life at just the right time? time. I, I, God does that to build our faith. Uh, maybe there's a, a card you receive in the mail. Maybe there's a book you come across and, 
it, it meets just the right need at the right time. Maybe there's a friend who calls you on the phone and begins to share what God is doing in, in his or her life, and, and, and it impacts you. Or perhaps they share a scripture with you. It could be all kinds of things. Perhaps you turn on the radio and the right song or a message. I remember one night I was struggling with something. This was, this was years ago in high school. And I used to like to listen to preachers on the radio when I was in high school. I know, I'm a geek. But I, I loved it. And I would, I would go and I, I listened to three guys just about every single night uh, of my high school experience. And uh, that night, all three of them spoke about the issue that I was facing. <laughs> That's God. And I, I just, isn't it amazing how God sends the right person at the right time? He sends exactly what we need. He knows what we need. He sends what we need to help us trust him. Um, God um, told Gideon to go, and this is kind of a revealing of secrets, but also uh, kind of along the same issue of uh, having messengers, even though Gideon went to them. These two Midianites are in their tents talking about the dream that one of them has had. And this, the other one says, this is nothing less than the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, God has given the whole Midianite camp into his hand. And so you got Gideon, who was just a while ago, was hiding out in a wine press. But now, God has boldened him in faith because, in this case, there was a Midianite messenger to give him a message. A lost person. God has a way of sending us just what we need at just the right time. A number of years ago, I've shared this story. Some of you know it, but I'm going to tell it again because it's a great story. Um, I was, I'd kind of had a, a, a time where I just hadn't got to share Christ for a while. And I was struggling. I told God, I said, Lord, I'm kind of dying on the vine. I need to tell, Jesus, tell somebody about Jesus. And... Um, would you send me somebody so I can tell this person about Jesus? And uh, this man came to the church, and uh, he was uh, talking with the secretary. She came, she said, hey, uh, this man wants to talk to you. And I, I just assumed it was about money, because that's usually what it's about. It wasn't. He said, uh, I need somebody to tell me how to be saved. I said, well, come on in here. <laughs> That's like saying, uh, sick him to a pit bull. You know, I, I'm ready. <laughs> um, and uh, he sat down, and I went with him uh, through the Romans road. And uh, I said, you know, I can help you pray, or if you like, you can pray in your own words. It's your heart that matters to God. And, and he said, well, I'll pray my own prayer. And so he got down on his knees, and he began to, to pray uh, the most genuine prayer, and tears began to roll down his cheeks, and he gave his heart to Christ. And you know what he told me after, after it was over? He said, I was driving down the road, and I came to the end of myself, and I said, God, will you send me to a church where they'll tell me about Jesus? 
on one end of prayer went up, on the other end of prayer put, went up, and God put us together. Isn't that amazing? And I could tell you more about that story. I won't, but, but that's, that's just what God does. He ministers to us exactly where we are and sends a messenger for exactly what we need. Praise his name. He builds our faith in that way. So how does God help us trust him? He helps us trust him by assuring his people, by revealing his secrets, by sending his messenger, and finally by demonstrating his power. Look with me at chapter 3. In verses 16 and 17. Verse 16 says, And the water flowing downstream stood still, rising up in a mass that extended as far as Adam, a city next to Zarathan. The water flowing downstream into the Sea of the Arabah, the Dead Sea, was completely cut off, and the people crossed opposite Jericho. The priest carrying the Ark of the Lord's Covenant stood firmly on dry ground in the middle of the Jordan, while all Israel crossed on dry ground until the entire nation had finished crossing the Jordan. God was demonstrating His power. Now, can I tell you riverbeds usually are not dry? I remember when I was a, a boy, I, there was a hill behind the house where we lived, and, and I and some friends would a lot of times go up there, and we would do, do what boys do, you know, shoot BB guns and build forts and do those kinds of things. But uh, I remember I'd gone up there, and it had rained, and um, the ground was very muddy, and I got up, and I wasn't even to the very edge of this cow pond, and my feet began to sink. And before long, I was nearly up to my knees in mud. And I lifted my leg, and I heard this sound. And I brought my foot out, but my shoe was still in the mud. And the mud closed over my shoe. And uh, I remember thinking, wow, Um, now i got to walk home with one shoe. Uh, I wasn't too, too sure how to get it back out of there. So anyway, uh, God didn't just stop the waters of the Jordan. He dried the ground. It says they would walk across on dry ground. Now there's no question, this is supernatural. It's a supernatural stoppage of the waters. It's a supernatural drying of the ground so that God's people could go over. This is what God is able to do. He demonstrates his power. God answers our prayers. Uh, we've had several prayers answered here that were a surprise to doctors. What? How no, we didn't plan on this. We didn't think this was going to happen. Well, this is what we ask God for. We've seen healing. We've seen God uh, take a person that's been given two weeks to live, who lived three more years. 
the God that we serve can do what lies out beyond the natural to the supernatural. And sometimes God will answer our prayers about different things uh, in preparation for something else that he wants us to trust him for. And I think this crossing of the Jordan is a preparation of a new generation to trust the promises of God. Because God's going to have them do some pretty wacky things at Jericho. (laughs) I mean, some things that don't make a whole lot of sense. But, as they obeyed God, God would come down and work on their behalf in great power. But you see, he's helping them be prepared in their faith. So, as you go through trial in your life, and you ask God, and you see God answer, and you see God work and move, and He demonstrates His power and what He can do, um, let it build your faith to trust Him for the next thing. God uses these demonstrations of His power to build our faith. Um, The axe head floated. I believe the axe head literally floated. You say, well, you're crazy. Well, you may think that. But listen, it's not a stretch. If God created the earth and he created all of the universe and he raised Jesus from the dead, axe heads floating are small potatoes. (laughs) Okay? I, I I just believe the God that we serve, he set up the laws of nature. He can break them anytime he wants to. They're his laws. And so, God intervenes. Little boy brings Jesus his five little fish. Five little loaves, or five five loaves and two fish. (laughs) Two fish, five loaves, okay? And he brings them to Jesus. And Jesus begins to break them. And you know the story. There's 5,000 men plus women and children. Every single one of them meets their fill. And they have 12 baskets of leftovers. Some of you are saying, oh no, leftovers. No. (laughs) 12 baskets of leftovers. From two little fish. Five little loaves. The word actually for loaf in the Greek is, it means a little loaf. So it's not even, you know, it's not your nature zone or Merida or whatever. This is, this is a little cake, okay, for a little boy. Jesus took it and fed 5,000. That's the God we serve. You see, you and I don't have to bring much to the table. We don't have much to give anyway. Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. But when we bring our five little Loaves and our two fish to Jesus. Wow, what he can do with it. And as he demonstrates his power, he builds our faith to trust him for the next step. So how God helps us trust him. First of all, he assures. He's assuring his people. He's revealing his secrets. He's sending his messengers. He's demonstrating his power. These are people that have wandered in the wilderness for many years. They're on the cusp of doing what God has planned for them. 
and God is preparing the way. You know, God is so good. He, he not only allows us to be involved in his plan, he not only tells us what's required, but after he tells us what's required, he knows we can't do it, he comes alongside us and he helps us do it. Isn't that an amazing God? And so, um, let me just encourage you, whatever's going on in your life or in your family or in this nation, in this church, whatever, God is able. Trusting. Lift up your eyes. Jesus uh, says uh, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you for he trusts in you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, for coming alongside us and helping us learn how to trust you in our lives. Help us make the decisions we need to make. And Lord, if there's someone here today struggling as a believer to trust you in the middle of what they're going through, I pray that they would pray that prayer along with the, the, the demon-possessed boy's father. I believe, Lord, help my unbelief. Perhaps there's somebody here today who um, knows that Jesus died for their sin and rose again, but they're having trouble believing. I pray that they would say, Lord, help my unbelief. They just pray that in their heart to you right now. And Lord, would you help us genuinely trust you in life? And Lord, for those who don't know Christ, help them genuinely repent and put their trust in you. Uh, Lord, we owe everything to you. Thank you for all that you've done for us and all that you've allowed us to be a part of as your people. Help us continue to trust you. Whatever may come, Father, help us to be bold in our witness and bold in uh, our proclamation of your truth uh, so that people can know the truth and the truth can set them free. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, my invitation for you if you're a child of God this morning is just you're struggling in your faith right now, just to make that your prayer. Lord, I believe. Lord, help my unbelief. And then also ask him, as we've talked about before, ask him, Lord, what do you want me to trust you for? And then begin to put that on your regular daily prayer list and lift it to God and see what God will do in your life this year. I think he'll do a great work. If you're here today and you don't know Christ, the Bible says Christ died for sin once for all. The righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. That's the gospel in a nutshell. Um, Jesus paid everything that needed to be paid at the cross. He took the justice of God, the wrath of God upon himself. Uh, our sin was placed upon him at the cross so that God could forgive our sin and cancel our debt uh, and give us eternal life. And so uh, he asked us to respond to Jesus and what he's done through repentance and making a choice to turn from our sin in our own way to follow Christ and to receive the gift of eternal life. And Jesus will come into your life and change you. And I encourage you just to call upon Jesus today and say, Lord, I surrender. Lord, I receive the gift of eternal life. As you call on Jesus in faith, he'll save your soul. We're dismissed. If you need to talk further, I'll be here at the front.